Well, we're here with uh, Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle. You've written, I think, a total of 35 books I just read in here. And one you wrote, got my interest, is uh, Diary of a Future Saint, Faustina's Incredible Journey. And you wrote this book for young people to write to inspire them. Yes. And what elements from her her life do you think are particularly inspiring for young Mm. people? Yeah, so I wrote it for the young people, but as I was writing, I knew it should be for a greater audience too and for adults as well to tell her whole biography and there's so much um that she endured and and learned and uh, you know she went through so much being humiliated by her superiors who didn't believe her not that she was trying to let everybody know about these mystical things that were happening in her life but she did need to speak to her superiors and so she had to go through so much um First of all, her parents didn't want her to go into the convent. They just said flat out no. They needed her on the farm to help. They didn't have the money for the dowry. And she, God called her at the seven years old to the religious life. She had a, a mystical, beautiful experience. But later on at 18, she asked permission, no. <laughs> and so she tried again, no. And then she started shunning the graces from God. She Um, didn't want to but she felt like well nobody's listening to me I can't get into the convent and but she sort of she didn't sin but she just tried to like not worry about it and not listen to God lived a little bit of a more worldly life um, but still beautiful life prayerful life so all these struggles and then finally Jesus showed up to her at a dance like he came from the scourging of the pillar and said, how much longer am I going to wait for you? Mm. So that's, I'm just giving that little backstory. That was when she ended up eloping with Jesus because mm. he really startled her. He came to her. She flew to the church. Well, he instantly just, you know, vanished after he told her this. Mm-hmm. She left the dance, went to the church, prostrated herself on the floor, and she, she knew what she had to do. Jesus told her what to do, to mm. go to Warsaw, she turned to the Blessed Mother and said, where do I go now? When she finally got off the train, she was bewildered that everybody was running in different directions and she had no place. She didn't know what she was doing. And there's so much more to it, but I'm just saying quickly that she had this very uh, incredible journey to get into the convent. And then when she got there, finally, there's so much to it, but then she started feeling like they weren't praying enough there, that maybe she needed to be in a stricter convent So she had some doubts and problems, but Jesus was with her. The Blessed Mother guided her. She wasn't believed, like I said, and she was ridiculed. She was even made one time as a penance. A sister in the kitchen came in and made her sit on top of a table because she didn't finish washing the dishes Mm -hmm. fast enough. And the other sisters would come in and say, oh, look at her, what a loaf. And she, St. Faustina was not allowed to defend herself under mm-hmm. obedience. So she had to endure these kinds of penances and trials. And also, she only had about a year and a half of uh, formal education because at that time, the older kids moved out of the school so the younger kids could come in um, to make room. So she wasn't very, she was very smart. She was, had a lot of common sense. She was very, she can do anything on the farm. She can cook, she can clean. But she wasn't considered to be, you know, this very uh, smart or person. So mm-hmm. people frowned upon her, even in the convent, and to try to get into the convent. And I, I like to say that she is a help to us in our day and age and kids, because sometimes 
you know, we might feel insignificant like St. Faustina. They said she's just, the sister said she's just like no one special. She's, she, they didn't want to allow her to enter their convent till she finally got to the right one. Mm -hmm. So she had all this, um, she must have felt, you know, you know how kids these days, they go through all this peer pressure, they feel inferior, and then she's being told constantly that you're really not much of anything. So I think because of the way she persevered with God's grace and depended on God and trusted God, that could be a powerful message for the young people today because they're going through so much. They're bombarded by so much stuff in the culture. Plus, just they, they might feel insecure. They might be going through peer pressure. And they could turn to St. Faustina and say, wow, you went through a lot. And I didn't even name the half of it. You went through so much, but you trusted God. Mm -hmm. And he got you through. And then he gave you this great mission. And you are a saint in our church. I want to please God, too. Show me how to get there. Please pray for me. So mm -hmm. she can show us and pray for us. So I like to encourage people to turn to her for her intercession. You know, too, I was struck by, you had a little, you have a part of a chapter on humility. Mm -hmm. And she, and she spoke about how the, the passion, like meditating upon the passion, yes. helped her in her humility. Yes, yes. That's another powerful um, lesson from her life. I'm glad you, you, mm -hmm. you picked up on that because Jesus himself asked her to meditate upon his passion. And he told her, that she would grow, you know, so fast in holiness, just one hour in meditation on the Passion, more than a year of flagellation. You know, some saints mm -hmm. used to do that kind of penance. And so he wants us to learn about what he went through and also to meditate upon his Passion and to offer our sufferings to him to become redemptive. And he said he can use only humble souls, mm -hmm. humility, is so important and that is what the blessed mother told her as well she said you must she said humility 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 and jesus too humble souls he works in and through and so sometimes he gives us humiliating situations in our life to to humble us a little bit you know knock us down a little bit and to, so we turn to him so and that father makes me think of another important lesson is called a vessel of grace when um Jesus told St. Faustina, you know, sometimes you don't like the vessel of grace that I give to you. And he meant that, you know, sometimes it might come in the form of a humiliation, it might come in the form of a sickness, it might come in the form of a contradiction. So we don't always like what these things that go on in our life. We, we complain or we, we don't know why we have to go through it. But our Lord is trying to give us a grace through mm -hmm. that. He calls it a vessel. A vessel of grace so we might think of a vessel of grace as like you know we're just in heavenly bliss and everything's wonderful but that's not the only kind of vessel of grace most a lot of them are you know working out our salvation through the nitty-gritty details of daily life mm -hmm. and so well, I was just reading another reflection on humility and and they were saying it wasn't the humiliation itself that makes us humble but it's our turning to God in that or yeah. recognizing uniting ourselves with him in that um, I like that yes yeah. that's that's right yeah. and then all the graces shower down upon us mm -hmm. you know we get closer to our Lord's sacred heart yeah that's beautiful and you know something else that strikes me about like just reading about 
some of the diary of that time was, mm-hmm. um, it seemed like people were very frank with one another. You know, they weren't as concerned about hurting people's feelings as much. Yeah. Or, <laughs> it seemed like there's a certain toughness. I don't uh, know why, but yeah. maybe it was that era and maybe it was the type of people dealing with it. But one of the sisters said to St. Faustina, you think you're going to be a saint? Well, pigs will fly before that will happen. <laughs> Can you imagine a sister saying that to the sweet, yeah. sweet yeah. sister Faustina? But sometimes you that happens in life. Sometimes, right. you know, yeah. Yeah, it just seems, uh, yeah, maybe even that error in general, but just uh, mm-hmm. kind of more frank speech to one another. And yeah, stuff. But, uh, <laughs> that's true. What are some of other, like her other practices that led her to holiness, you think? Mm. There's something particular about her prayer life or adoration? Yes, adoration, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and she united herself to Jesus with his blessing and grace, you know, and she, um, she adored our Lord whenever she was able and allowed to go to the chapel um, with still doing her responsibilities and her duties. But she said Jesus taught her that Holy Communion stayed with her from one Holy Communion to the next. So even if she couldn't get to the chapel because she was sick and she, in the last few years of her life, she was sick a lot and and suffered quite a bit, but she um, would unite herself to Jesus within her heart and soul, believing that he was still with her, that Jesus was right there. So when she couldn't adore him in the chapel, she adored him in her own heart and soul. Mm. And she also, kind of offered her heart wherever there was a chapel around and just kind of gave her heart to Jesus and adored him in that way. And she grew so much in holiness just in that time with him. And and she was very devoted to the Eucharist. It's, it's like a lot of the saints tell us, like Mother Teresa used to say, they needed to receive the broken bread, the broken body of Jesus in the Eucharist in the morning at Mass so they can go out and take care of the broken bodies of the poor. You know, they mm. needed that strength, that nourishment of, of Jesus, the Eucharist. And so a lot of the saints have told us that. And St. Faustina, she was so devoted and she, she longed for Jesus in Holy Communion. And one time she was having such a terrible time, a lot of suffering, a lot of persecution. And um, she, she said, I wanted to cry out at the top of my voice when I was finally going to receive Jesus and say, Jesus, my only true friend. You know, because she was so, she she was, you know, she had two, two times of a dark night in mm. the spiritual life. And going through that darkness, she, um, you know, she, she just kept trusting God. Sometimes she would fall to the ground, fall to the floor of her cell in prayer. And just and under the weight of the mission of divine mercy and under just all of the suffering she was going through in a darkness that, that just kind of, you know, fell upon her and stayed with her no matter what. And she just said, Jesus, whatever it is that you want of me, it's yours. So she totally collapsed in prayer and just gave her heart in full surrender. And she learned early on, you know, that signature line on the painting, Jesus, I trust in you. Even before he told her that signature line for the image, she, she, he, he helped form a, a trustful heart in her. And she mm-hmm. teaches us. And for kids and you know adults alike, you know how much we need to trust our Lord. And and He told Saint Faustina, He's most saddened when we do not trust Him. 
That is what makes him the saddest if we do not trust in his love and mercy. If we wonder if we're forgiven of our sins. You know, we don't trust the one time a sister came to St. Faustina and grabbed her arm and said, please ask Jesus, because see, the sisters, a lot of them knew, even though St. Faustina was quiet about her, her mystical life, they knew they could see in her that she was very special, very holy. So the sister grabbed her hand and said, please ask Jesus if my sins are forgiven. And sister said, your sin, did you go to confession? Yes. And she said, well, then your sins are forgiven. She says, no, ask him, ask him. I'm having trouble with this. And she wouldn't let go of St. Faustina's hand. Finally, when St. Faustina agreed to it, she said, okay. And she let go of her hand. Sister Faustina went to Jesus and talked to him about this. And he said, tell her that her lack of trust in me is what saddens me most. You know, so her sins are forgiven, but she's hurting my heart by not believing in my love and mercy. That's right. pretty powerful. Right. Yeah, I don't know if this was the same story, but I remember too. In fact, when I went to Krakow one time, we went, got to go into like, you know, they have a room where she was sick or maybe the room that she died yeah. in. And, um, and then this one of the sisters there, handed me she said she'd give all the religious that came there this one quote oh and I, it was about that lack of trust was jesus it? was telling faustina something like you know more than her sins that wound me you know is the lack of trust that we have and yes and sometimes yeah i think we just stir ourselves up into such a frenzy just to right you know quit ruminating on it quit the church teaches us it's in scripture you know mm -hmm. the forgiveness of sins and sacrament of confession and then mm -hmm. this is what the constant teaching of the church is yeah they just uh push it aside you know we confess as best we can and uh and trust god with it you know there's some there's a uh, there's a modern spiritual writer i think she wrote some years ago but modern times but mm -hmm. she said you know if you feel like you can't trust jesus yeah you know trust him anyway Oh, that's good. That, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's yeah. kind of like um, telling the person, move your will to do it. Move, yeah. You know, so yeah. sometimes we can't, we feel like we can't, but if we actually move our will to do, okay, right. Jesus, I trust you. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. It, I don't know how I'm going to get on the yeah. other side of this. Yeah. Yeah, we want, to, want security. We want plans. We want mm -hmm. ability, assurance. And, and yes. Well, okay, you don't have that. You yeah. don't know what the right thing to do is, maybe. Trust him anyway. <laughs> because I like that. Because he puts us in situations when he's forming us and molding us and burnishing us that we have trials and tribulations and he wants us to turn to him. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that's the best way to get out of that problem, even if you're going to endure it for a little longer. Just say, Jesus, like St. Faustina, I trust in your love and mercy. I trust you know what you're doing. You're the divine physician who knows right. exactly what I need and when I need it. And not to forget that you know who I call the evil one, so I don't give him too much credit because he, he likes to get the credit, but he will love to trouble us about our consciences. Even right after we come out of confession, he'll mm -hmm. trouble us by saying, well, you know, did you really confess that that, that well? Or, mm -hmm. mm, you know, your, your Lord is not, just thoughts in your head like, oh, maybe God doesn't forgive me. We have to right, remember right. that also comes in the spiritual life. There's a spiritual battle, and he wants to mess us up. 
So the yeah. best way to thwart his plans, don't dwell on him or don't talk to him. And, you know, turn to the Blessed Mother, turn to Jesus, turn to St. Michael, turn to St. Joseph, terror of demons, and just ask, ask for help for that and trust God. Because once we trust, that like breaks the, the chains of all the stuff that's yeah. bothering us because... Yeah, it's like humility just takes away, yeah, the devil's power. Yes, because he can't operate in, in humble souls. Right. You know, the other thing that strikes me about the diary, too, is <laughs> like her just, her, her honesty with her confessor, her spiritual director, mm -hmm. um, it's just, uh, you know, I, I think there's like a practical path to her humility that she, yes. you know, it's not just me and God, but it was like, exercise through superiors and authorities placed right. in her life that she completely humbled herself before right. them. Right, she didn't live in a cave someplace, right. you know, by herself just praying to God. She was mm -hmm. in a convent. She had, you know, to be obedient to the rules, to the superiors, and she had to pour her heart out on paper with a pen because she was under the orders of Jesus himself to write the diary. And there's so much to be said about the diary too, and I delve into that in my books, and and I um, I, I talk about how she was so endearing too. She she said, Jesus, I don't even have a good pen, and it scratches when I write. Mm. She's talking to Jesus like yeah. this. It's so sweet, and so she was trying so hard to not let anybody see what she was doing, and they'd often come to her for help. So she said, I had to close the diary, then the ink, you know, the notebook. Then the ink would smear, <laughs> she said that. But if you've seen, I'm sure you have, when you went to Poland, how her penmanship was so beautiful. So, But didn't she, like, she didn't have punctuation, right? Because of her yeah. lack of schooling. Well, you mean because of the, the what happened later with the translation and how they it was condemned for a while because, well, see, Father Michael Sapochko, who is now blessed Michael Sapochko, he was her director. Mm -hmm. He said, write it all down and anything Jesus says, underline it in pencil. And she did that for like, because she, yeah, mm -hmm. she, she was brilliant in writing the diary, even though she didn't have a lot of education. Mm -hmm. She did learn to read and write. And then what happened later with the translation, when they translated it, they didn't underline what Jesus said. Oh, and so people, so they interpreted that, that she was saying all these mighty things as, she, as if she were God. Oh. And so they, that's when it got condemned. I have that in that mm -hmm. book there and my others um, as a, as like heretical. And it's just, yeah. you know, until, yeah. you know, time went on and mm -hmm. by the grace of God and St. John Paul II, you know, helping with another translate, you know, everything mm -hmm. finally unfolding so that they realized what a treasure that was. And did they, did she have punctuation? In it? Do you, um, you know, that? I'm not positive yeah. on that. I'm not, that I would, would like to know. I never thought of it. Maybe that, yeah, I never thought about being connected to such a... Did you hear that she what, didn't? That's what I had read or something that, yeah. and yeah, you could see maybe that would have contributed to the, the long it took to get it approved, but I'm sure there's other factors. Yeah, but it, most of it was because Jesus's words were being interpreted as her words, yeah, and yeah. they thought that she was trying to say she's like God. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And she's the first saint, right, of the... Third millennium. Yes, right? Right. John Paul II. And what do you think the significance of that is? Well, you know, well, so I think she's going to be a doctor of the church one day. I just mm. really do. 
um, God raised her to that mighty mission of, of propagating divine mercy, which is not a new revelation, as we know. He, God's always been merciful, but mm -hmm. he raised her up, this peasant Polish farm girl, you know, humble, right. <laughs> and to receive the message and then propagate it to the world to tell us we need to turn to God's mercy and we need to be merciful people. Now, she, I, I don't know, I, I also think it's so amazing to live in this time right now, you know, and um, she's not too far in the past that we have to dust off those history pages to learn about her. So it's kind of neat that she walked the earth not too long ago. And I think it's great that she was the first St. Canonized. I don't know a lot about, more about significance to that, just that I yeah, think it's I, pretty neat. Yeah, and I, I was able to go to Poland like back in uh, October, and I'd read George Weigel's book and read some of his other books on Poland and things, and uh, John Paul II, and and that you know just Poland just suffered like the oh, worst yes. seemingly of the 20th century. I mean, yes, I don't. Know. I mean, that's you guys. You still have Russia and right. China and all the people put to death there, so that's I guess yes. greater, but. Um, but anyway, Poland obviously had, you know, partitions and invasions and uh, right. the Nazi occupation and then making a Soviet satellite state and just, John Paul II described it as the humiliations, you know, that wow. Poland had to go through. Yeah, that's a good way to yeah. explain it, yeah. So, it, yeah, the 20th century is like the bloodiest century in yes, human history. that's right. And they're in the heart of like, you know, World War II and stuff. Right. So yeah, her message of mercy, and is you know, and mercy has been described by the popes as being how God limits evil. Yes. Which we don't. I never think wow, of it that way. Wow, that's very profound. Yeah, like through the forgiveness wow. of sins and things. Wow. That that's how God. Because I thought about like evil, like in our own lives, we commit sin. What stops that infection or that invasion into our hearts and stuff? is forgiveness. I can go right, right. and ask forgiveness, I can go to right. confession, mm -hmm. and it can end this mm -hmm. terrible journey we get on sometimes. Right, you know? it's so important. I did a whole chapter on that in my other Divine Mercy book, 52 Weeks with St. Faustina, A Year of Grace and Mercy. Right. And I went through different things in spiritual life, and I talked about forgiveness and how powerful that is, and how essential it is for everybody. Some people Unfortunately, they're holding on to a grudge and they don't even remember what it's about, you know, family right. problems and different things and how, you know, it, it makes chains wrap around your heart. You know, you're in bondage to that, that hatred or that unforgiveness and how it's so important to forgive and to, to show that mercy that God gives to us. Yeah, I was about to say that's such a big part of her message, right, is yes. to be merciful to others. Right. You know, receiving that mercy ourselves to turn around and... And now that I can liberate others, you know, yeah, maybe we've hurt somebody else. We can always go to God, get forgiveness. Mm -hmm. and, but there is powerful, if that person forgives us, yeah. that's, that's especially healing as well for us. That's true, <laughs> yeah, it is. But we also have to, well, that, that's just amazing when that happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't always happen. But we have to, we have to, learn, we have to realize that we're, when we forgive that person, whatever, I don't know if you've ever read my memoir, The Kiss of Jesus, and we won't get into that, but I was even held by gunpoint for like about a year's worth of time mm -hmm. uh, by a, someone who snapped, an ex-Marine, 
a Vietnam vet and um, had all these crazy things happening to me, you know, left at the side of the road while I was re almost ready to give birth to one of my children. And that was by my husband leaving me mm -hmm. at the side of the road, hitchhiked away. So, you know, these are things that you might think, how can you forgive these kind of things or way, you know, most people, a lot of people have more profound kind of sufferings and they don't think they can forgive, but if if they hang on to that bitterness or that hatred or that whatever it is, they're only hurting themselves. But also, once we forgive them, we're not saying we have to invite that person over to dinner. Some people get confused and think, oh, I can't because I don't really like them. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to like them. Just mm -hmm. love them with God's love to be merciful. You don't have to even do it to their face. They might live on the other side of the country mm -hmm. or whatever, but you're praying to God, please grant me the graces to be merciful and to forgive. And when we forgive, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. And it can really liberate us and from all of the you know, stuff that's holding us back. And it can also help that other soul just by praying. Right. As Jesus told St. Faustina, how, how much are you helping your neighbor with your, how much are you praying for your enemies? There's so many powerful things. I wish I had her quotes right in front of me. I could open the book, but she, I don't know where it is in this book, but he's, he asked her and she said at one point, oh Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm loving them. I don't feel like she poured her heart to Jesus that she felt like she wasn't doing what he wanted her to do. And he said, this is so important, and I don't have the exact words, but please know my daughter that um, you don't always have control of the way you feel. That's important for us because sometimes we feel a certain way. As long as we give it, you know, make sure we're praying and giving it to God and really forgiving. But if you still have some feelings of, you know, of whatever disruption or I can't think of the resentment. word resentment or, you know, well, resentment wouldn't be a good thing. You know, we don't want to have that feeling. That's kind of a strong, that would mean maybe you didn't forgive them. But like mm -hmm. she, um, he was telling her that you don't always have you don't have control of all the time of what you're feeling, but just keep giving it to him, keep mm -hmm. giving it to him, and keep trusting him with it. And he also said that when we um, when we finally trust him for his grace and his mercy, he pours such an abundance of graces into our own hearts that it can't help but overflow to the people around us, giving mm -hmm. mercy to them. So I thought that was really powerful too. Is when we really are trusting, we're not only helping ourselves, we're helping those around us just by our witness, just by the light in our eyes, just by, you know, God's grace with the people around us and it helps them to turn to God just by God's workings. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that he said to her. You know, I've tried to find a good definition of forgiveness over the years. Oh, and really? I, and some people, and I, I like, you know, turning the cheek, you know, we don't retaliate. Sometimes we can get yeah. back at a person by yeah. gossiping or poisoning people against them mm -hmm. or something. And, but I guess at the heart of it is like this letting go that I'm not going to mm -hmm. hold this against. How would you describe it? Oh, uh, how you would like, like a, forgiveness. Yeah, like forgiveness. Well, I think most importantly, you know, someone did you wrong. You don't like it. What do you do with it? Well, we can't on our own strength and merit, you know, do anything about it. We could try, but it's only with God's grace that we can forgive. So sometimes I know 
Jeanette said this one time on a show, she had to pray several times for the grace to want to forgive, to want mm -hmm. to forgive, you know, different situations in life. So we might not want to forgive. We might feel like, well, why should I? Why could? But we say, Lord, please give me the grace to want to forgive them. So it's hard to define exactly forgiveness, but, um, you know, to pray for the desire to be more like Jesus, to be merciful, to want to, you know, do, do what he wants us to do. And, right. and just, I think, surrendering it, just surrendering. Right. And just flat out play, praying for the person. Yep, that's exactly it. That's to right pray. out of the Sermon on the Mount. Exactly, and that would do yeah. the whole, that would be the powerful yeah. thing to yeah. do. It's just yeah. to pray. You know, that happens so many times in my own life when I'm, and if the person comes to your mind, it happens a lot of times every day. You know, you might be going about your business and something pops in your mind. And so pray for that person right mm -hmm. then, the person who harmed you or whatever, and ask God to to heal us, to heal you of, um, even of a memory, a bad memory. We're, right. I think we're always going to have memories, but we can pray to God to, you know, protect us from bad memories that are going to just cloud our minds and make us feel, disrupt our peace. Just keep giving it. So all we right. can do is just keep giving right. it to God, right? right? right. Um, well, do you have to get to the airport or what time are they come? <clears throat> They're coming at 9.15. So oh, you got to pack and stuff? Yes, yeah. I'm all packed, so I probably, yeah. we could probably only go a couple more minutes. Or so. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the juicy stuff here. What is the second coming? Is that just around the corner? There's a, there's a famous oh. reference, right, oh. to his second coming. I think it's from the Blessed Mother to Faustina, right, that she says something like yeah, preparation. We, yeah, 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 yeah. You, she told. Oh, see, and I wish I wasn't so tired from not enough sleep, <laughs> so I could be more articulate. But the Blessed Mother um, and Jesus told her that her mission was to um, prepare the world for Jesus's second coming. Mm. So, let's think about that. <laughs> <clears throat> Through God's love and mercy, I, I mean, what was? It? They didn't exactly say how she was to prepare the world, right. except right. that it was to propagate the message of divine mercy. Right. Jesus said, "You need to turn to me now, when I'm a merciful judge, a merciful, you know, judge, not when I'm a just judge later on, when it will be too late." God is mm. always merciful. But, you know, we can imagine how much Jesus is crying over everything going on around this world. How many yeah, babies have right, been killed in abortion, right, how right. many things. I don't even want to get into all the terrible stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I don't know. We have no idea when that's going to happen, the mm -hmm. second coming of Jesus. But we're supposed to be ready every single day. Stay alert, stay alert, stay mm -hmm. awake. Be prepared, be in the state of grace. Pray, pray for your enemies. Yeah, you know, we had that reading yesterday. Yeah, that yesterday. Yeah, stay, stay, stay alert. alert. Yeah, and yeah, I forgot to say this. I had like the noon mass homily, and I, but one thing that's been hitting me, and this is like right out of the, it was emphasized, I, I vaguely remember like the Baltimore Catechism about our mm -hmm. state and life, our okay. daily duties. Yes. And like, I'm thinking like my daily bread, I think that wonderful devotion from back in the 40s or 50s. I remember that, that yeah. yeah. I remember seeing it. Yeah, and it, it always talked about that, you know, you, you're always measuring stuff by what is your obligations, you know, what are your duties, if you're married, family, mm -hmm. whatever, student, or, and, and it, it's hit me more, yeah, just, because sometimes, you know, obviously we want to wake up and be seeking God's will, mm -hmm. and, 
And part of it is just accepting our reality, our state in life, yes. what God's putting before us to do those things well. And right. most of it's ordinary. Right, right. right. Yeah. And it's within those ordinary things like between the pots and pans or between mm -hmm. the books or where, whatever we're yeah. doing in life where God is working because he gives us those opportunities to show mercy to others. Mm -hmm. Faustina in the kitchen at one of the convents, um, she had this girl, they had wards, girls that they took care of, they took in, um, and women, and they were to help them, rehabilitate them. And one was just really out of control, pretty much, and nobody wanted to deal with her, and she got her. And she just loved her and taught her, and taught her not just how to, cook and everything but and she you know transformed the girl's heart was transformed they even the sisters even spoke about how that happened with saint faustina just her steady witness of doing the regular things being obedient to her state of life and being merciful loving and so that's how it happens i i often say um when i go out and i speak different places and a lot of times i let people know that you know, it's not like we have to jump up on the nearest table and preach the gospel um, message or speak to the crowds. Or, you know, it's one-on-one, -on -one, one by one. That's what I, I learned that from Mother Teresa, yeah. whom I was so blessed to know. But, you know, that's how I, oh my gosh, if I had time, I have so many things I could write down that happened in the course of a day of just amazing encounters with people. But God mm -hmm. wants us to keep our eyes open and our heart open because we can just walk past that opportunity of somebody who needs needs our help this, right. you know and this woman at the airport was having a meltdown one time and I, I had to go that way and i didn't have time but i thought oh she's yelling at her kids and she's all frantic i won't get into the long story i've told it before like in one of my books but the what happened was that i did stop I said, can I help you with something? I was on your flight. I wanted her to know I wasn't some weirdo, but she was in the middle of the airport floor and people are going back and forth and she's screaming at her kids and rummaging. Long story short, I ended up giving her a hug because I, I started talking to her. She was puffing on an inhaler. She couldn't breathe. She thought she lost her phone. I helped her find it. She, her, she was going through a divorce. She had to go to California. It was a whole long story. But she, then she was, had tears in her eyes, and I said, may I give you a hug? Mm -hmm. My heart went out to her. Did I plan that that morning I would get up and go hug a stranger? Right. Not, that, that was the farthest thing from right. my mind. But I, she said, yes. So I hugged her, and she melted into me, and she said, it's just that my mother and my stepmother abandoned me. And so she needed a mother's hug. You know, mm -hmm. I, people call me Mom Donna, Mama Donna. <laughs> I go around hugging people. <laughs> but anyway. That's so, a Madonna, but Mama Donna. Mama Donna. <laughs> of, yeah, some people I used to, little kids I used to take yeah. care of, the mother said Mama Donna. So um, I gave her a Blessed Miraculous Medal. So I do that all over the world, yeah. and I touch it to the one Mother Teresa gave. And I said, there's your mother. I wasn't planning to say that, but she said about her mother's abandoning abandoning her. I said, here's your mother. She will help you to mother your children. And all of a sudden she gasped and she said, oh, and I'm Catholic. It was like she remembered she was Catholic. Wow. So it was like very powerful. I gave yeah. that example because um, it just happens in everyday life. It could yeah. be somebody needs something, but we walk by. Not that we could do everything, right. but in those encounters, God works. Yeah. And that's showing his mercy and love to someone yeah. like St. Faustina yeah. taught us to do. 
I remember one time Father Miguel and I were flying back from somewhere, I think it was Detroit, and we were, we were sitting there eating a sandwich, and so you're walk, watching all the people walk by, and they had this, she's a pretty young woman, but she was she was just completely overwhelmed with her bags oh. and everything, and it seemed like she was coming apart, and I was, yeah. I just noticed, man, she looks like she's really struggling. And just at that moment, she like, just kind of like dropped her bags oh. in front. She stayed in the middle of the concourse. Oh, wow. And I was able, because I was on the verge of helping her already. Right. And then when that happened, I just kind of jumped out there real quick and grabbed her bags, you know, got her to the gate. Oh. But it was just, I thought, well, what a funny scene. This guy in a habit just yeah. flies out of nowhere and <laughs> yeah, grabs your bag. That's good. I like that. <laughs> that must have really been impactful yeah. to her. Is there a, a good Mother Teresa story that stands out in your mind from oh your gosh. friendship with her? Oh, well, my gosh. We'll end with this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's just so many. And, um, yeah, so. Shocking. Maybe something shocking. Like, oh. really surprised you. Oh. Something she said. Oh, you're or... so funny, Father. You, you know we have, like, 30 seconds. You know, and you know I'm going to get on a we'll plane. We'll go out with a boom and there. The guy, I know, but, like, my mind is fried from no sleep and doing all this filming and everything. Uh, well, Gosh, something. Oh, well, all right, this is just a silly story, but it, it's a good lesson. She went into a bathroom. You, you might have heard this. And and she comes out with a big smile at the convent. And the sister's going, Mother, why are you so happy? She goes, some sister here really loves our Lord. That bathroom was sparkling clean. Mm -hmm. And they got a good laugh out of that. But she said, because she taught them that um, do everything for our Lord. So even scrubbing a toilet, you know, is... So we say, oh, we don't have an important job or, you know, look at the saints. They've, they, some of the lowly ones, supposedly, were gatekeepers. And right. at the gate, St. Faustina fed Jesus himself. Right. You know, he was a beggar and she gave him hot, a hot mug of soup. And all of a sudden he, he turned into, she saw he was Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at, in all of our walks of life, whatever it is, in everyday life, God gives us those opportunities to be merciful to others. Right, right. Amen. Well, thank you so Amen. much for chatting with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. God bless. Mm -hmm.